Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings. Back at the Hop Grenade. Another fine day at the Hop Grenade. Another fine day. I I drove my electric vehicle to the Hop Grenade again, and I went to park my electric vehicle, and there were like two people parked there that (laughs) did not have electric vehicles, even though the sign says... Did you get them towed? You should have just got them towed. I should have. Yeah. I did not. I thought for a second there you were going to curse other electric vehicle people for parking in your spot. Oh, no, no, no. There are so few of us, us us wandering nomads. Got to band together. That's right. Yeah. Although every once in a while you park and somebody is like fully charged up and they're still plugged in. And you're Ah. just like, uh, bad form. Yeah. So I ran into that once already, and I just unplugged their car and plugged mine in. And <laughs> I wrote them a note, put on the windshield saying, Look, I saw your car is completely charged up. I'm real low. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> so, yeah. That sold, sold the, the Pope estate, or at least it's uh, in escrow. Excellent. Got that thing uh, wrapped up, sold. Moved, moved to the Pope, uh, not quite estate. <laughs> the summer house. <laughs> the, the, the outpost? Summer, summer palace. The Pope outpost. The Pope, uh, the Pope compound. The Pope compound, yes. I like the sound of that. That is very appropriate. Uh, it describes it fairly well. The Pope compound, which is uh, a mere, um, a mere, like, six seven miles from the brewery very good yes i drive my electric car back and forth from the pope compound to the brewery it is awesome i'm loving it you're probably catching up some sleep then huh? no no uh we had like blackout blinds in the at the pope estate Uh the pope compound has uh like two inch uh like wood slat blinds oh yeah they're painted white, so in theory they would block light, but they they're so white they just reflect it all they're into plantation the shutters. That's what they're called. Plant at yeah, the plantation at the Pope Plantation. The Pope Plantation. They have the plantation shutters. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so it's light at you know six a.m. and I wake up and I don't go to sleep and uh-huh. I still don't go to sleep till midnight or one. Ah, see, I, yeah. I go to sleep at like nine and then wake up at four. <laughs> You're one of them people. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm a them people. Well, I just blame just it like, as living on Eastern time. Ah, uh, there you go. That must make it much e- easier to go east. Unfortunately, I wake up even earlier out there, uh, four yeah. o'clock Eastern time in <laughs> that case, which is a pain in the ass. I so mean, because what do you do in the hotel room at four in the morning? Your body is just well. I got a few ideas. Your body is just uh, reading your watch. Yeah. Maybe maybe have you turned the Bluetooth off on your phone? Maybe your body is syncing up with your oh, phone. I hadn't thought of that, and that's the reason why. Yeah, yeah. I don't know you got to think of these things. <laughs> you got to think. You didn't know. I, I don't think uh, pornographic uh, Stephen knew that uh, Palmer was part Android. No, I didn't know that. He's got oh, a few yeah. uh, pieces yeah. in him. Nice. Yeah. I think that's what's happening. Clearly, it's it's an issue. That must with, be. Uh, um, Pretty useful when brewing. I mean, you can set your yeah. own little clock and right. right? It's kind of cool. Well, and I think Blickman has uh, come out with uh, a device for that, where That's you uh, you uh, you just you know turn your internal Bluetooth on, and it tells you what the temperature is. You know everything. You can control your brewing. You'd be sitting on the pot. I mean, like the toilet, and control the boil of your pot. So if you don't have, I mean, the parts like, like John here, it, it's, it connects to your phone, right? <laughs> yes, yes, right, right, exactly. Yes, he's got uh, the the whole thermostatic uh, thing for the uh, the phone via Bluetooth. Kind of cool. Uh, he's got a lot of cool things. BlickmanEngineering.com. Check them out. They're uh, the fine sponsors of this this show. They've been uh, doing it for a long time, uh, both making uh, brew gear and sponsoring the show. So check them out. Uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, makers of all the uh, the fine uh, boiler maker and Therminator and uh, Tower Power and so many other goodies. And the more recent uh, Anvil products, which are uh, more value-oriented, uh, but just as solidly built and stood behind by the the Blickman name, uh, Anvil Brewing Gear, anvilbrewing.com. I recommend them. So check them out. Uh, lots of goodies there. Uh, whether your, your budget is more modest or uh, you've got uh, the okay from the uh, significant other to... Uh, uh, pony up a few more bucks. Uh, Blickman Engineering's got it all for you. All right. Uh, today, John happened to mention on his Facebook page that uh, we were doing a show, and there was a whole slew of uh, responses. Mm-hmm. I went through and uh, selected the ones that I thought were ones we could do during the show. Uh, some of them, I don't know, seemed like like a whole show. Some well, you them, didn't grab that fork one, did you? Some I I did. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Um, so we're going, we're going to answer uh, those questions uh, live here today. And uh, if you want to participate in the show, you can uh, go to brewingnetwork.com and uh, listen live. And you can join the chat. And Bevo's in there uh, chit-chatting away with uh, the listeners. And if you want to ask questions through that method, you may as well. Um and we used to think that we could have phone calls, but we've just kind of given up on that. So there you go. That's how it all works. Huh? Phone phone calls are so last age. Oh, yeah. Who does that anymore? I yeah. prefer you text them in or you uh, tweet them to us or you, uh, 
Email them to brewstrong at brewingnetwork.com. All right. Uh, Porno Steve, why don't we jump right in with the first question? All right. This one is from Vincent Roy. How about ways to separate the trib from the beer after chilling it? Bazooka Whirlpool uh, from a spigot, from a siphon. Always seems like a pain in the butt. What's the easiest way? So his question is, what's the easiest way to separate trub from beer after chilling it? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Um, well, my, I think one fundamental thing. If you chill the word down... And then you don't disturb it. If you let it sit there, eventually it all settles to the bottom. You have brilliantly clear wort above the top. True. And then it's just a matter of gently drawing it off of the the troop. Now, um, if you're impatient, that's when people have screens and all this other stuff. Um, but I always just chilled it down. I went and I cleaned up the rest of my brew gear. I, you know, took notes. I did all my measurements for uh, gravity readings and things like that. I checked in on the yeast, all that stuff, and just let it settle for half an hour, 45 minutes. And it would settle to the bottom nice and uh, uh, tight. And then I could draw it off. I've, I've used a, a piece of tubing which I just start a little siphon with a sanitized turkey baster and just sucked it all out of there. I have used a spigot where you start it gently, and the, the initial uh, amount that comes out of the spigot, I use that as my gravity reading because that will have some troop in it. But then if you're drawing off at a, at a decent rate, a slow rate, um, it will remain perfectly clear until just the last of the liquid pulls the tube towards the towards the uh, exit that works well um you can pour it off but that tends to sludge it up you don't get as much out that way the screens i never like the screens because eh, just clog up it's you know more of a hassle uh, i've had so very good luck with the ones i'm designed oh well there you go i just uh never really cared Mm-hmm. <laughs> just I found found it too easy with the hunk of tubing. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's a good question because um, there's so many different ways to chill. Uh, like you say, you know, an immersion chiller, letting it settle. That word does work very well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you whirlpool and let it settle, the whirlpooling action is simply you know creating a vortex and it you know pulls the uh, tube towards the center. Um, does tend to clear a little bit of free space away from the the side where you can mm-hmm. either get a, a siphon um, like a auto siphon um, or with a little tube uh, stop or um, cup on it or you know your ball valve with a with a simple screen some people use gravity um, i i'm I made a stainless steel braid screen um, mm-hmm. Just like what was depicted in um, the appendices of How to Brew, mm-hmm. and it, that works really well for me. Um, right. Well, in you fact, can get, this uh, year we turned it into a product at, with oh, Anvil. It's oh, there uh, you, go. you know one of the new mm-hmm. Anvil products, but you know say, it's yeah. a matter of having enough surface area mm-hmm. um, so that no one area of the of the, uh, of the screen, you know has too much hydrostatic pressure on it, you know, is drawing too much and clogs up. Right. Uh, so 
Well, um, I was just going to say, you, you said the, the, the vortex uh, draws the uh, particulate matter in. I just want to make sure that people understand, because oh, yeah. people think that they need to go blazingly fast and have, like, you know, the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the, the word sucking down into a, a, a tornado of death. Yeah. But um, really what, what happens is the liquid in the center is, um, you Not know. moving as much. Right, and um, versus the liquid on the outside, and once you get it all spinning, um, the interior is just not moving very fast. On the outside, it's moving fast enough that it keeps the particles in suspension, and then as they end up uh, migrating around in the liquid, uh, if they're in the center, it's not moving fast enough, and they just tend to sink. And so that's why whirlpool works, and that's how the pile forms in the in the middle of the kettle. So you don't have to have it blazingly fast. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I've always gone with the uh, the chill. And then, you know, um, if you're going through a heat exchanger, hot, um, you, know, you can go into your vessel and then, uh, you know, you can, you can transfer off of that. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, I always like to get most of the troop out of there, but... Uh, you know, you could also just ferment on all your tube. I don't think it's the end of the world. No, that's true. That's true. All right. All right. Good question there, Vincent. Let's uh, take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you out! still like to have a good time? Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like... Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Home Brewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for any brewer whether for yourself or as a gift when you subscribe or resubscribe from the brewing network homepage, you directly support programs like this get a great magazine and support the brewing network subscribe to brew your own right from the brewing network.com say hello to my little friend you've heard about white labs pure pitch yeast 
Pure Pitch is yeast grown right in its final packaging. That means yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. And White Lab's Pure Pitch yeast for homebrewers is now available to everyone at homebrew retailers nationwide. Easy to use, perfectly sized, and ready to pitch. White Lab's yeast packaged using their FlexCell process ensures the purest yeast on the market. Visit whitelabs.com to learn more about Pure Pitch, Flex Cell technology, and how it's created. Then visit a homebrew retailer near you for your own perfectly sized package of Pure Pitch yeast. And you can say hello to your own little friend. www.whitelabs.com Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Hello, We're hello. Back. We are back. Did we did we go? <laughs> we were on break. Ah. <laughs> I guess I threw you for a loop there. <laughs> I looped you. Uh-huh. Eh? Uh, no, I, I was busy with a beer, so I didn't notice. Well, there you <laughs> go. All right. Uh, well, we are back. And we're answering questions that were submitted today on Facebook. Yep. We are at the top of social media. <laughs> we're on top of or something like that. Right. It's yeah. Like, it's like when you climb a manure pile. You're at the top. <laughs> All roads point south, as they say. Pornographic Stephen. What was your middle name? Dildo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pornographic Dildo Stevens. Get your ass in here. Get over here. <laughs> God. My poor mother. Poor mother. God rest her soul. No, she's still alive. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so well, that's nice. <laughs> you should invite her in for a show. <laughs> oh. All right. Look, Ma, how your son is done. Look. Look what I'm doing. All right. <clears throat> Another question from Facebook. Kevin Dill wants to know the differences of using real food, real fruit, purees and extracts and their different effects on beer mm. well uh i would say that purees are real fruit yeah. they're fruit that have just gone through processing of what a lot of them do is they essentially you know, remove the stems and leaves and seeds and all that and then they uh grind them up and uh uh, the the purees that we've been using at Heretic, we get uh, they are made aseptic, so they essentially pasteurize them in the bag, and then uh, that's essentially all they do to them. Sometimes they'll add pectic enzyme, which is a good thing. Um, Cuts down haze. Oh yeah, uh, but um, so the the thing I like about purees is that a lot of times. Um, Especially if you if you source from a good puree manufacturer, which I think the Oregon fruit people make a, a pretty darn good product, um, you know they're they're trying to source the fruit at the height of you know 
the season when there's a lot of availability, you know, more than can be used as whole fruit sometimes. And um, so they take advantage of that fact. And it's, you know, tends to be, you know, really nice fruit. It's just there's too much of it at once. So they process it so it can be shelf stable. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas whole fruit, I mean, they do the same thing with whole fruit where they freeze it. Um, so if you're talking like uh, fresh fruit that hasn't been frozen, um, I'm not sure that that really has any sort of an advantage. Uh, unless, I mean, the thing I do like about fresh fruit is um, if you grow it yourself uh, in your in your yard or somebody else grows it for you, you can oftentimes leave it on the, the, the tree or the vine or, you know, whatever uh, a little bit longer. And develop uh, some more sugars and some more flavor than uh, something that's commercially harvested tends to be harvested a little bit early. Sure, if you're uh, buying it in the store, you mean? Yeah, yeah, right. So it tends to have a lot more flavor um, when you can you can do it yourself and mm-hmm. you can you know cherry pick so to speak. <laughs> you can taste some of them, see how they're doing. You know, taste some a few days later and go, oh yeah, they're getting better, and you know. Uh, and, and pick just the best fruit. So that's I think that's the ideal way to go, but I don't see anything wrong with purees. Extracts, I would avoid um, for the most part. They are very convenient um, and relatively inexpensive. Some extracts taste pretty good, I think, have a decent mm-hmm. flavor, but they always do taste extracty. Is yeah. that like fruit from concentrate? Mm. Or no. Mm-hmm. And what about mm-hmm. fruit from concentrate? Well, juice from concentrate. I don't know. Right. Concentrated so, juice and right. So, like orange juices, they'll they'll concentrate them down and they'll add back, you know, water. Um, again, that has a more of a processed taste, I think, to it. Um, but the extracts, the extracts are made all sorts of different ways. And I've tried extracts that are made from real fruit, and I've tried extracts that are made from various chemicals, and they all have kind of a different character to them. And none of them are really ideally, uh, uh, you know, feel like real fruit. Mm-hmm. What I will say is they can be used as a supplement. So let's say you've used uh, uh, fruit, real fruit, you know, puree or something, and it didn't quite have, you know, some of the aromatics you want or just slightly missing on something. You could add a tiny bit of extract to just kind of fill in that missing part and just kind of brighten it up a little bit. I think that's the the proper use of extracts. Um, If you're really just limited to extracts and you're trying to make them all work out, um, sometimes buying several different extracts from different manufacturers, uh, they all have different characters to them. And if you add just tiny bits of each one, It'll seem a little bit more fruit realistic at times, um, and I'd say if you're using extracts, uh, you know, try them on a, a small scale first and see uh, what fruits work and, and what's good. Um, but generally, I go I go fruit. Mm-hmm. John, you got anything to add to that? Um, well, just this. Um difference between hot steeping and cold steeping um you know in terms of spices and other in malts and so on uh, i think this can serve you well when you're working with fruit um 
if you're if you're mainly after an aroma uh, from a fruit, then cold steeping can often give it to you. Um, and cold steeping will often have uh, a more I don't know a more of a fresh fruit aroma uh, than hot steeping. Hmm. Hot steeping, of course, will tend to drive off some of those really light volatiles that you would associate with a fresh fruit, but it will get more of the flavor uh, that you might be expecting from the fruit um, into solution. Well, and um, I, I saw that uh, question as well as, you know, making like a fruit water, you know, steeping yeah. the fruit and water. And and I, I think that the better way to go, and I think you responded to this, is, you know, just crush the fruit up and throw it in. Yeah, uh, directly into the beer, and I, I think that's the ideal way to go. I really wouldn't boil fruits unless there was, you know, uh, that would be a special circumstance. I think you always go into the beer, um, and uh, you know you're going to get the most flavor. But that's also why I like purees because they've removed a lot of the the, the seeds and the non pith and, the yeah, pith and all the that bitter and, stuff. Yeah, all that junk that doesn't have any fruit flavor. And um, and it's all broken apart, so you don't have to worry about the cell, getting the cell walls. Because I've used whole fruits, and um, you know, it's even with multiple freezings, like pomegranates, multiple mm-hmm. freezings, and then you throw it in, and they still come out whole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, it's amazing, and like that, in a year in 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 a sour beer, and just you get back out whole pomegranate seeds. Yeah. So I think um, you know the puree. It has a lot, lot to offer. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Convenience. Plus, you can get it just about year round. A lot of times. Yeah. One other thing I'll add about oranges in particular. Um, I've seen a lot of orange beers will take an orange or you know a bag full of oranges and crush them up and throw the whole things in. And I think you get you get too much of the pith and too much of the bitter mm-hmm. uh, character that way. Um, and I think the orange juice itself. Uh, tends to ferment to kind of a metallic taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had uh, in some experiments of uh, just taking a, an apple peeler or a vegetable peeler and peeling the rind from mm-hmm. the orange, you know, mm-hmm. just getting the, the bright orange bit. on The, the zest. The zest, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although peeling it's a lot faster than zesting the little bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and putting that in at the end of the boil works really well. Mm-hmm. You get a nice bright orange flavor. Right. Um, and uh, no bitterness. And again, if it's no, fruit, no, that, tannic you, bitterness, fruit that you grow yourself, um, it tends to have a lot more flavor and a lot more aromatics than the stuff you get at the store. So, yeah. Just, just a word of the wise on that. All right. Uh, next question. All right. Doug Ellertson is asking, if brewing with big roll-up garage doors open in a commercial brewery safe on a microbiological level well uh <laughs> unless, all kinds uh, of bugs coming in through those big doors yeah <laughs> but they are anyways um uh you know at our brewery in fairfield we leave our big roll-ups open in the front and the back and we get a breeze through the entire brewery um it brings with it bugs and dirt and bacteria and yeast, but, you know, all those things exist even if we have the doors closed. So um, It's not like a clean room. Right. Uh, that's why the tanks are sealed and why all our transfers are done sealed. Um, 
you know, we're... What we're, if you're open fermenting? Um, well, I think if you're open fermenting, you want... Um, if kind of you, a cleaner room? Well, yeah, either you need to have a clean room like uh, Anchor does uh, with filtered air, or you have to be more like Jolly Pumpkin is and want to get some of that local... Uh, uh, flora, you know, flora, and fauna in your uh, in your in your beer, and uh, that's part of the character. Or you know, spontaneous ferment. Uh, we've done some of that at Heretic as well, and um, so I, I don't. Yeah, there's nothing. Um, I mean, is it safe? It's safe because I mean, we walk around in this stuff all, yeah, every day, so it's absolutely safe. Could it affect the beer? Sure. If you're not in a lot, this is. The problem a lot of breweries have is they're just not clean in how they uh, treat their vessels or, you know, how they do transfers, things like that. They expose it. They contaminate their beer, and, you know, there it goes. So um, especially if you got things open, you don't want to, like, a. there was a, a listener who had a problem with um, contaminations, couldn't figure it out, and uh, they had put, uh, they had moved to working like in the garage, and it was they wanted to, you know, drive the steam or whatever or the heat out, and they put a big fan up, and the fan was infecting their beers, every beer. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, you want to be careful about something like that. Kind of funny. Last week I was brewing with uh, Red River Brewing in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, as we were doing the water, um, a big two-inch-long stink bug flew in and landed right on the uh, the port window, which was open at the time. And uh, it would have been a very short drop right into the into the mash there, but uh, we, we were able to shoo it away, and it flew on out. But uh, so the only thing stinky touching the beer was you. That that's was right. Him. Yes. You. So maybe maybe it depends on a. Geographical location, then? Yeah. yeah Maybe not in Fairfield, where there's not many giant stink bugs that we have fly through the, everything. Uh, we have the potato bugs, or the Jerusalem bugs, as they call them. It's oh, like, yeah. Uh, okay. With the uh, kind of a uh, an off-brown color with uh, dark brown stripes, kind of almost like a bumblebee on the on the belly, and those, those spiky little claws and feet that they have. And and what you find is, as they're beginning to die, they'll lay on their backs, and you go to pick them up because you think they're dead and all dried up, and they'll they'll latch onto your fingers when that happens, <laughs> and it just freaks me out every time that happens. I know it happens, and so yeah, and you're thinking, ah, no, that one's kind of seems like it's blowing around in the wind. And he reached down there, and it was really like it was kind of rocking itself on its own legs or something, you know, laying on its back. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) dying gasp is to latch onto your hand. Weird. Yes. Potato bugs. Need a turtle to crawl around and eat those things. That's what we need. A turtle filled with salmonella. Heretic turtle. (laughs) The heretic turtle. Most people have a brewery cat. You have a brewery turtle. Yes. <laughs> if it was one of them cool tortoises that, like, you know, desert tortoises that live 150 years, 500 years, whatever, mm-hmm. that I could go for. That would be so cool because we'd all be dead, 
and we and, and somebody like you <laughs> know, else would take it over 150 and... years from now would be going like this is our brewery tortoise passed down to us from he is he's been here since the beginning of the brewery um he's seen a lot of beers brewed we think he's lived a long time because he probably drinks beer every day that's kind of cool it would be cool that would be pretty neat that would be that would be awesome the brewery tortoise and they move slow so they it's not like you know they run and like get in the way can't really lose them yeah yeah there you go you put like a you know six inch high fence on one end Done. A little flag, you know, a little warning flag. <laughs> yeah, put, uh, just a, a big, a giant orange a, epoxy, little flag. Uh, epoxy, uh, <laughs> like a bike flag on him, yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> wandering around. That'd be totally cool. We do have a brewery turkey. Oh, really? Yes. And the <laughs> thing, uh, the thing craps like a Great Dane. <laughs> just these <laughs> huge piles. I mean, it's just amazing. Um, it it likes the spent grain, so uh, it's been hanging around, and uh, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, oh, it'll just walk grain. in. It's just a wild. It's, it's walking around the the doors, like the roll up doors and stuff. So we used to be able to keep our bins of spent grain outside, and then um, there's like a whole worry that some toxic, you know. Liquid's going to get into the storm drain, so now we keep them inside. But the turkeys used to eat out of the bins when they were outside. They'd walk up, and they were tall enough to just reach inside and uh, eat eat spent grain. <laughs> so you know, come this Thanksgiving, we may have a uh, spent grain turkey on uh, on the menu. Who knows? Tastes like beer. Tastes like spent grain. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, take a... Oh, you know what? John, have you heard of uh, Craft a Brew? No. It's a really cool uh, project. Oh. It is uh, on uh, uh, Kickstarter. And uh, what they're doing is they are building a countertop conical fermenter. It's going to oh. be made from plastic, but it's 90% more scratch resistant than any other plastic conical. And seventy one percent less oxygen permeable, so it's a it's a much uh, harder, denser material. Oh, okay. It's got a low profile, so the uh, the the stand is low profile. You could either put it uh, in your fridge or right on the countertop. It's not something that's like six feet tall that you need uh, like its own dedicated space. You can pick this thing up. It's lightweight. You can move it around. Go on the countertop. Go in your fridge. Um, easy to, easy to store. It's not huge and bulky. How many gallons is it? Um, that I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that cleaning's a breeze because the entire lid snaps off, so you can be ah. sure to get all those little crusties off the side. And the best part is it's got a three-inch butterfly valve on the bottom. Oh. Now, what that allows you to do, you can attach a mason jar, and you can leave that open during uh, fermentation, and the, the yeast can collect in there. And then uh, you can just close the butterfly valve, un- unscrew the uh, the mason jar, and there you go. You got your next pitch of yeast. Very nice. Doesn't that sound cool? Yeah. I haven't seen it myself, but uh, if you get a chance, go over to kickstarter.com, search The Catalyst, and uh, support our friends at Craft Brew and uh, make this new fermenter a reality. I guess they already got 
completely funded and it's going you know gangbusters past that because it's a, a great idea uh pretty cool so check how, it do you, out. how do you spell that craft a brew craft a brew yes okay craft a brew and uh search for the catalyst on kickstarter.com i think craft a brew should send us a couple so we could uh have uh porno steve check them out when he is fermenting yeah uh-huh uh-huh yeah. That'd be cool. Are, are they listening? I hope so. Probably not. Oh. Why don't you email after the show? All right. And say, hey, Jamil wants a uh, two, two of your plastic conicals for me to use during the shows because we're going to have you brew and you could use their fermenters. Yeah. There you go. See, I'm hooking you up. I may not make any money doing this show, but. I can get free stuff for for my friends. So kind of you. <laughs> You're a saint. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can, my friend. I do what I can. All right, let's take a short break, and uh, I'll punch you during the break, and then we'll be right back, right after this. <laughs> Army, have you heard the latest at HopTech? Since HopTech has doubled in size after a huge expansion, Jade and Roberto can stock even more of the best quality homebrewing supplies and equipment. Over 60 kick-ass varieties of hops and malts, monster truckloads of quality brewer's yeast, including white labs, Y yeast, and multiple dry yeasts. They even have all grain systems from Grain Fathers and Ruby Street Brew Systems, thanks to Jade, the brand new all-grain brewer. And don't forget about their 10% discount to all BN Army members. Jade and Roberto are waiting for you and all of your brewing questions over at HopTech.com. HopTech, totally not sucking since 1983. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of Citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater. 
for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Yes, indeed. Next question, please. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, we got a late start. Yep. Okay. Malcolm Fraser is asking about the benefits of the three-pronged fork versus the four-pronged fork and when to use Mm. each. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, see, Malcolm does not... uh, I thought about this uh, for probably about two or three hours. Uh, Malcolm does not specify whether he's talking the plastic fork, like you might get, uh, you know, in a in a uh, you know a fast food restaurant, or or a metallic fork. Now, I would say that uh, you know there are benefits to the uh, the three prong versus the four prong. You know, you're talking beefier prongs, uh, but it tends to take a little bit more force, uh, cutting force, I think. Uh, when well, the, three, uh, the three pronged is easier to insert, so it depends on what you're eating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's much much better for digging inside of a snail, for, right? For example, B- bigger tines. Well, generally, I use the two prong on the snails. Ah, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, the three prong. I think uh, you know a beefier design, and again, especially if he does not specify. If you're talking like a plastic fork, I I tend to uh, lean towards the three prong if I am um, you know trying to uh, pierce anything of a uh, a beefy nature. If yes. if you are just shoveling up like mac and cheese, what I was about to say, uh, mac and cheese, right? Then Which you one? can, you, know, you could probably go uh, with the four prong, and you know you probably want to go with the four prong on a mac and cheese, and the three prong may slice the new. If you were like stabbing into it, if you're a stabber when you're eating your mac and cheese, you go the four-prong because they can pierce the noodles and then lift them out, whereas the three-prong may just slice through them and, mm. you know, you're, you're just chopping it up, not really uh, getting the, uh, the shoveling capacity of the four-prong in that case. Great observation. So mm. I'm just saying uh, it depends on your situation, but uh, generally, generally, uh, when using metal, um, I would go four-prong. 
that's uh you know uh better shoveling for uh you know a finer uh material uh better piercing for a finer material um i think that's really the way to go but don't you suppose that the good folks there at brewlosophy should probably do a triangle test on this Mm, yeah, double blind. Um, yeah, get back to us with those statistics. Yeah, we... with a placebo thrown in, and um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, I, I envision a ten-year study. There we go. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. Maybe the government will fund it. Uh, next <laughs> question. All right. Also from Malcolm. It's not about forks. Uh, the degree of CA precipitation, calcium, calcium yeah. pre- uh, precipitation that occurs if using phosphoric acid versus lactic acid. Using water typically found in most U.S. municipalities, is it really a concern? Yeah. Um, complex question because the amount of calcium phosphate that precipitates depends um, on the original total alkalinity in the water. Um, depends on the two pH values that you're moving between. Um, so there's, there's a lot of factors at play. Um, this precipitation only happens with phosphoric and uh, acid because it's phosphates like the malt phosphates, same sort of you know chemicals. It doesn't happen with other acids like lactic or citric or hydrochloric or you know what have you. Um, just the phosphoric. And I, I think the other part of his question is, you know, how real is this precipitation? And we should say that in writing the water book and in identifying this um, potential, it really is, um, you know, a theory based on um, solubility uh, relationships, constants, and so on. You know, it's it's entirely theoretical. Uh, we haven't done any testing uh, to measure. Um, you know, how much precipitates out, you know, how completely the reaction proceeds. Also, you got to realize that uh, even though the calcium phosphate precipitates, you know, it doesn't settle out to the bottom. It is just, you know, suspended in the water. So if conditions change in the wort, um, it has the potential to resolubilize under some conditions, which I don't know what they are. But I mean, so um, it, it's, you know, we're, we're making a number of assumptions uh, in that appendix, appendix B. And um, but the, that's that's the theory. There you go. All right. Uh, if you'd like to hear more uh, unfounded theories. Um, I mean, founded theories. <laughs> uh, you, you can uh, tune in to some of our other fine shows on the Brewery Network, uh, thebrewerynetwork.com. They're all free. You've got the uh, Sunday session. You've got the Sour Hour. You've got uh, uh, my favorite, uh, Dr. Homo. I mean, Dr. Uh, Homebrew. Um, and um, you've got uh, the uh, Brewing with Style or the Jamel Show. Ah, good stuff. I'm telling you, check it out. It's all free. Lots of fine sponsors have been uh, funding this stuff for you, so take advantage. Your next uh, miserable long drive uh, flight, uh, whatever, what have you, uh, load up on some shows and devour as needed. All right, let's take one last short break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up right after this. 
Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature march pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a Certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Ken Grossman of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says making great beer is hard. Making the same great beer every day is harder. Brewers Publications announces its latest release for breweries of any type and size. Quality Management, an essential guide for brewers by Mary Pelletieri. Proper quality management for small, regional, and national breweries is critical. Whether you are an established business or brand new, learn the best ways to create and manage a quality system in your brewery. 
This book will guide you in developing a comprehensive program that will grow with your brewery, help ensure quality processes in the brewery, and continue providing great beer for your fans. Quality management for breweries is critical for continued success. This guidebook teaches you to integrate quality management in every level of the operation. It will guide you in developing a comprehensive program to ensure quality processes in your brewery. Quality management, an essential guide for brewers, now available from Brewers Publications. Learn more at brewerspublications.com. to brew has never been so disgusting this is brew strong all right we're back wrapping up another fine show live q a when you uh uh you can send in your questions brew strong at the brewing network.com uh and uh we will eventually get to them all uh speaking of our fine sponsors John, are you getting enough? Yes, I am. I am fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. I don't believe you. I think you just say that, but you could definitely use more. And I'll tell you where you can get more. You go to adameneve.com. Check that out. Uh, Use the offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L, at adameneve.com. And here's what's going to happen, John. You're going to get a free gift for the wife. They're going to send you a free gift for you. They're going to send you a free gift for the both of you. Bevo's favorite, the clit smacker, something like that. I don't know. It's your favorite, though. And you're going to get the six free adult DVDs and free shipping. Ten free gifts in all just for using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com. Check it out, John. I know you could use a little bit more. We all can. And uh, I want you to check it out today. All right. uh, Last question. Let's wrap it up. All right. This one's from David House. Hello, Bruce Strong crew. I'm doing small batches under five gallons. Wondering if I need to rack to secondary. Seems like there is potential for oxidation. Yeah, there's potential for oxidation, contamination. If you're starting with fresh yeast... When uh, when you brew that beer, when you, you pitch fresh, healthy yeast, there's no reason to transfer the beer to secondary unless you're doing something special like uh, maybe like massive dry hopping and or, uh, you know, you want a secondary fermentation or you're going to, you know, barrel age it or something like that. Otherwise, don't don't mess with it. You know, the, the fewer transfers, the better. It, it's I think secondary is a, like a fallacy of. Back in the old days. And yeah. this tells me you have not been listening to all the shows. And that's true. Because we've talked about this for the past 10 years. And, um, you know, uh, what can I say? Well, it was sent 10 years ago, and we just got it. Oh, I'm just kidding. No. That's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, anything to add to that, John? Nope, that was covered succinctly. All right, there you go. Another fine show. Thank you, everyone, for uh, tuning in. Make sure to thank our great sponsors, especially uh, the, the great folks at BlickmanEngineering.com. 
send uh, an email to feedback at uh, blickmanengineering.com. Tell them how much you appreciate what they do and uh, appreciate that they've uh, sponsored the show for so long and made it possible. Uh, you know, check out the Brewing Network store. There's lots of goodies in there. And when you buy those goodies, not only do you look cool, but uh, you every dollar goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and helps fund shows like this. Right now, they've got a special on uh, living room furniture. Uh, you, you buy like uh, a couch, you get the ottoman for free. Uh, you know, if you're you're in the market for furniture, I, I suggest you check it out. Big hop grenade logo on it. Uh, all sorts of goodies in there. So check them out today. Until yeah. then, everybody, brew strong. Brew strong. Brew strong.